Well, good morning and a happy new year to you all. And I'm sure we are all hoping for a far better year to come than the one we've just left behind. Now, full disclosure here, I'm recording this message before Christmas. Uh, it's the only way I could get a proper break over Christmas. So as I speak to you now, I don't know exactly what has happened over Christmas, except that we are all trying to get our heads round being put into the newly invented tier four and the massive disruption that that has brought. And so as we come into this new year, I don't know if we're still in tier four or if we've gone into tier three or who knows, maybe the government has invented another couple of tiers just to keep us on our toes and we're now in tier seven. Who knows? But I trust that what I want to bring today to start this new year is relevant, whatever are our current circumstances. And let me just start by asking you, not that you can reply to me, of course, but, but just to ask you, how are you doing? How are you? As we, as we enter into 2021, how are you doing spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically? And by the way, these are all things that we're going to focus on in our upcoming well-being series. But how would you describe your current state? And I, I imagine you're probably feeling a bit battered, to be honest. Uh, personally, I would, I would describe myself spiritually and emotionally as a bit weary. Really ba- battling for joy and, and, and battling to keep my eyes fixed on the hope that we have in Christ. And of course, I can only do that because there is joy and we do have a wonderful and eternal hope in Christ. But it has been a pretty brutal, relentless and disorientating year for all of us. And of course, for many, it's been extremely isolating. It's been a time of fear and anxiety. And while I would say that fear and anxiety are not things that I have particularly battled with personally, I do know, and my wife and kids would confirm, uh, that I've had moments over these last few months of feeling very low and very exhausted. And, you know, sometimes almost with that feeling of darkness closing in and as I said battling for joy battling against despondency as I've wrestled with various questions and various decisions and you know seen the impact that this is having on my family and on many people in the church and trying to deal with the uncertainty and the ambiguity that is all around which I'm not greater at the best of times and trying not to let frustration at the situation turn into into bitterness oh and moving house of course moving house twice Uh, over the last year. That's taken a bit of a toll as well, although I consider myself mightily blessed with the house that we have. So yeah, to be honest, probably feeling a bit weary as we come into this this new year. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Well, it's certainly not to depress you or looking for pity or anything like that. It's just to say, to make the point that everyone, all of us, have struggled in different ways. And I know that the struggles I've faced well, they pale into insignificance next to the struggles of some others and some of the things that that you have faced. But I think that the the biggest thing for me is the impact of not meeting as a church each week with all of you. Now, here's the thing. We should expect that to cost us spiritually. We should expect it. If we believe that everything the Bible teaches about the church is true, Well, they're not gathering and not singing corporately and not breaking bread together. We should expect all of that to take a toll on us spiritually. I don't know if you remember, but back in March, April, 
Uh, we were all focused on the, the possibilities of being online, probably because we didn't think it would be as long as it has been. But, you know, how great it was that we could still gather virtually and stay connected. And, and by the way, I'd still agree wholeheartedly with that. But it is important to recognise that it really shouldn't be OK if you take away the physically gathered church. And I've often found myself worshipping through tears because of the longing it provokes in me to worship in the room with hundreds of others. And so spiritually, no, this, this hasn't been my best season. And I would be surprised if it was for anyone. That would raise some serious questions about our doctrine of the church. And, you know, it really concerns me when I hear someone say in all seriousness just how much they love online church, as in preferring it to gathering physically. Because you can you can tune in when you want. You can wear your pajamas. You can have your coffee and not worry about where to park and all the rest. And I get the attraction. I really do. But can I gently suggest or maybe not so gently suggest that that is a consumer mindset? It's a consumer mindset. And that isn't how community works. And it's one of the biggest dangers of online church that it feeds into potentially into a consumer mindset. And we should all, every single one of us, should all examine our hearts and root out consumerism when it comes to the church. Now, don't get me wrong. While I don't like online church, I have been immensely grateful for it. It's been a lifeline for us. And I'm really proud in a, in a righteous kind of way. I'm really proud of just how our team moves so quickly in a crisis moment to get us online from, from nothing to being completely and fully online and to sustain over months and months what I think has been a really high quality, creative, inspiring, uh, worshipful, diverse online presence. I'm so encouraged by that. I'm so encouraged by, by you, by this church, your, your ongoing commitment and sacrificial giving. And of course, among all the challenges, there have actually been loads of positives over these last few months in terms of new opportunities to reach out, both locally through our hope boxes, the hope initiative, things like that, but also far further afield in helping King's Church Kathmandu. There have been positives in terms of just a greater accessibility to church for many people, increased creativity and storytelling an increase in prayer. Praise God learning how to use technology to maximise connection in a difficult time. There have been moments of enforced stopping and slowing down, and that's not a bad thing at all. And we've seen new leaders emerge. And by the way, let me say to all of our small group leaders who have led groups over the last nine months, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been incredibly faithful in very, very trying circumstances. And I know it's very easy to feel that you're not doing a good job. Believe me, you are. You've been doing an incredible job and I'm so grateful for all that you've been doing. So thank you. So I'm so encouraged by those positives. I'm so encouraged by the church uh, and, and everything positive that we've seen over these last nine months. But, but we are made for community. We're made for community. We need the gathered church. And that has been a huge loss. Let me just reinforce that point through uh, looking at a couple of verses from John chapter 14. And just to give a bit of context to this, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper, just before his arrest and crucifixion. Uh, Judas has already left the room. He's been exposed as the one who is going to betray Jesus. 
And Jesus is giving his disciples instructions and trying to prepare them for the times ahead when they would no longer have Jesus physically with them. And in verse 16 and 17, he says this. I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him, uh, sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And of course, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit who was poured out powerfully at Pentecost. And we read about that in Acts chapter two. And, and, and this is what changed everything and birthed the church and this revolution that swept across the world. But there's a particular point that I want to draw out of that verse that I think is really important for us not to miss. And that point is that when Jesus says you, you, you know him for he lives in you and will be with you. It's you plural. It's you plural. There's an emphasis here, as there is so often in the Bible, on the corporate, the corporate body of disciples, which is often lost in the Western world. We would tend to think me rather than us. And of course, the spirit does indwell us personally. But Jesus is emphasizing something here. It's you plural. Now, why is that important? Well, to emphasize that point, the Bible commentator, um, Frederick Dale Bruner, he interprets in his commentary, he interprets Jesus' use of you as meaning your fellowship. You plural, you together, your fellowship. In other words, that Jesus is saying here that the spirit will make his home right there inside their fellowship, both now and also in their communities in the future. That, that the spirit is, first of all, a communal promise, a together promise before it being an individual promise. And let me quote something that Bruner says. He says, the spirit of truth is a reality, first of all, who is especially present inside the fellowship of disciples. Moral, get thee to the church on time. Do not forsake the assembly of believers or do not be neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, as it says in Hebrews 10. Be a church man, a church woman, a loyal member of the local and thus of the universal fellowship of believers, first of all, for there... There, the spirit makes his special home on earth. And the point is, as I've said, that the embodied church, the gathered corporate church fellowship is just so, so important. 1 Peter 2.5 talks about us being like living stones, being built into a spiritual house. And Ephesians 2 talks about us being built together as a dwelling for God's spirit. Jesus said that where two or three are gathered in his name, He's right there with them. And then here in John 14, Jesus is promising the spirit of truth dwelling in the fellowship of believers. And why am I emphasizing here the importance of gathering physically rather than gathering virtually, as we have been so often over these last nine months? Well, here's an illustration that I found really quite helpful from a Christian writer called Tim Challies. He says this. I spend a fair bit of time traveling and through the marvels of modern technologies, I usually have the ability to not only hear my wife's voice, but even to see her face. I've been to many spots in the world where there's no access to clean water, but full access to 4G internet, access plenty strong enough to allow us to FaceTime. 
Yet Aileen never worries that I won't come home. She's never concerned that I'll conclude that FaceTime is good enough and decide to only ever stay in touch virtually. She knows that while FaceTime may be a blessing, it's not a substitute for face-to-face time. Why is this? It's because physical presence matters. There are certain things that we can only do as a husband and wife, certain things we can only be as spouses when we share the same space. And just as healthy marriage calls for physical proximity, so does healthy church membership. Just as a husband and wife need to be together to carry out the purpose and meaning of marriage, so Christians need to be together to carry out the purpose and meaning of church membership. Just as a husband and wife long to share space, church members long to share space. A camera and screen will do when necessary, but they are at best a shadow of the real thing. They may provoke gratitude in those times that they're the the only option, but they will also provoke longing. And that is certainly my experience, that this has provoked longing in me, longing to meet Physically, physical presence is so important. It is an essential part of church fellowship. And and that's why back in October, even though it would have been far, far easier not to, we decided to start our in-person meetings, even with all the restrictions, while, of course, still continuing the essential connection point that we have online. And, you know, when we meet together physically in person, I hate the restrictions. I really, really do. I find it... I find it grievous to be sitting so far apart from others, sitting there in a mask, not being able to sing at the top of my voice alongside others. But at the same time, I love being with others. It is life-giving. It's life-giving to see the image of God represented in other people. I love being with others. I love breaking bread together. It's powerful. And these precious moments of communion with Christ and with one another... And the presence of God is there. When we meet, the presence of God is there. And so I would rather meet like that than not meet at all. And of course, God can meet with you through online church. And we we pray for that every week in our Thursday prayer meetings, that, that God would move powerfully wherever we are. And I am, as I said, immensely grateful that we have this option of online. But we are designed for physical community. And we must prioritise it wherever it's possible for us to do so. And so I would urge you, if at all possible, I would urge you to be part of our in-person meetings whenever they are on, depending on the, the current level of restrictions, whatever they may be. Now, of course, I know, please hear me on this, I know that there are legitimate barriers for some, whether that's to do with children Um, You know, in-person children's work is extremely complicated to work out at the moment. So whether it's to do with children, whether it's to do with health concerns, transport or, or anything else, legitimate barriers for you. And that is why it's important for us to continue to serve you as well as we can with online church. But if the barrier for you is more to do with preferences, well, I get it. I do get it, but I would encourage you to put preferences to one side, put comfort to one side and gather. Gather with God's people. 
Bearing in mind that in some nations, in some countries in the world, believers have to gather in secret at two in the morning to avoid being arrested. And there are serious, serious consequences if they get caught. And yet they gather, they continue to gather. So come on, come on, get yourself to church, if at all possible. Gather with God's people. Give us a problem of having to put on more meetings than the two that we currently have. Let's not allow these current circumstances to undermine the importance of gathering physically, the importance of physical gathering in the church, and let's not have a consumer mindset towards the church. In addition to that, I would also encourage you to take advantage of all the opportunities of being together with others, including the virtual opportunities that are there. So please do make sure you're signed up for a well-being small group. And I know how you feel about Zoom. Honestly, I would personally, I would be content if I never went on Zoom again, ever. But please don't let that be the reason for losing that small group connection. It's just essential. It's absolutely essential for you. And we'll all be together going on the same journey of well-being. God's plan for your well-being, doing that all together. Be part of our initiative to read through the New Testament together this year. It's not too late to get started. Be part of our prayer challenge in a couple of weeks. A chance to pray together and grow in prayer. Join in. Please join in with our Zoom prayer meetings on Thursday mornings. These are powerful times of prayer. I always call it the engine room of the church. And it is just great getting to see and hear and and pray with other people in a live context, even though it's on Zoom. So join in with those meetings and also let's all look for opportunities to connect personally with others, phoning them, going for a walk, praying with them, whatever is allowed at the time. Let us take every opportunity to be together, to be the you plural that Jesus talked about, the place where the spirit dwells. But I also want to encourage us on an individual level to be confident. Be confident, not in ourselves, but to be confident in the promise that Jesus made. Because you, plural, is, of course, made up of several, you, singular, you, individuals, several living stones being built together. And if you are in Christ, then the spirit of truth dwells in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It's his promise to you. And he went to the cross to guarantee it. I mean, you can trust him. You really can trust him when he makes a promise like this. The spirit of Jesus lives in you if you're in Christ. And therefore, because he is the light of the world, it means that you are the light of the world. Because his spirit lives in you. Because he is compassionate and loving and and gracious. He calls you to be compassionate and loving and he equips you to do it. Because he is not a slave to fear, he'll equip you to reject fear. Because he has authority, you have authority, you have his authority. So be confident in the promise of Jesus and in the power of the indwelling spirit. And fight, fight for the joy of the Lord. Battle to live in the hope that you have in him. Let's fight in the power of the spirit, fight against passivity and consumerism, which are very natural responses to a time like this. They're very natural responses to feelings of depression or fear or anxiety. But we are called to be the light of the world. So let's be the light of the world. Look for opportunities to serve Jesus, to to serve the church, to serve others, to actively and intentionally connect with people 
and bless them. Keep praying for those uh, and blessing those on your blessed list. Work in partnership with Jesus, listening for the promptings of the Holy Spirit and acting on them. You know, just before Christmas, I was on the phone to one of the receptionists at John Hamden, which is where my son goes to school. And to be honest, I was phoning because I was a, I was a bit miffed about something that had happened. Uh, I, but I was trying not to express frustration. I was trying to speak politely. But in the middle of the call, I, I suddenly got this sense of just how tired and worn down this lady sounded. And when I got off the phone, I felt one of those promptings of the Holy Spirit to bless the reception team at the school. So I just went immediately. I got a couple of tubs of heroes from in town. I wrote a card uh, for them, a Christmas card expressing appreciation for all they do, for the, the frustrated and angry parents they have to deal with, probably without a lot of thanks, and took it up to them. And they were really very grateful. I also invited them to watch Carols at King, so it was a great way of inviting them into that as well. It's just a small thing. And it would have been very easy to ignore, but it was a simple way to bless somebody. And do you know what? It, it blessed me as well. It lifted me. That was the effect it had. It lifted me at the same time. So be confident. Be confident. As we came towards the end of the Bible in one year, uh, we were reading through the book of Esther. And Esther is uh, a Jewish woman who's been elevated to the position of queen of the, of the Persian Empire. And the Jews in the story, the Jews are under a severe threat. And Mordecai, a Jewish man, is trying to persuade Esther that she needs to help and appeal to the king, which is potentially a very dangerous thing for her to do. But this is what he says to her. He says, who knows, but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Who knows that you've come into the position you're in right now for such a time as this. And church, we are here in the midst of a hurting and disorientated world for such a time as this. You live where you live for such a time as this. You work where you work for such a time as this. You have the friends and the neighbours that you have for such a time as this. We are ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. God has trusted us with this time. Has that, have you ever thought of it like that? God has trusted us with this time. He has trusted us to be the light of the world in these circumstances. And he has sent his spirit to equip us to do it. We are here for such a time as this. So let's not be victims of fear and circumstance. Don't disqualify yourself because you're feeling low and you're struggling. God can still use you to reach out to others, to bless those around you, to be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. And I tell you, reaching out to others, it will lift you. It will also bless you. You know, we don't always know and we don't always see what God is doing. We don't always see the big picture. But we can trust that God is working. He is working. It's a bit like that picture that Ron shared a few weeks ago of the cocoon, which is a place that is confined. It's constrained. It's uncomfortable. It's dark. It's a place that you really don't want to be. But God is at work in that cocoon, in that apparently confined and limited situation there is something creative and wonderful going on and the church will emerge more beautiful and full of grace and full of life than before. Remember, it is you 
plural. It's you plural. The dwelling place of the spirit of God, the spirit of truth is in the fellowship of the church and he is in each of our lives. It's the promise of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. He is sovereign. He is building his church and he has sent his spirit. And the spirit hasn't left us and the spirit won't leave us. And he's with you right now. So I want us just now to take a moment to invite him to fill us again and to equip us with everything that we need at this time. So why don't you just stretch out your hands in front of you. You want to stand and stand or sit or kneel, whatever is comfortable, whatever you feel is the, the right posture, the right thing to do at the moment. But just stretch your hands out in front of you and say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, come and fill me again. Just ask him now, wherever you are, ask him now. He's there with you. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill me again. Come, Holy Spirit. Just keep asking him to fill you. Keep asking him to come. He's there with you. You know, one thing that the Spirit does is to pour the love of God into our hearts. And he reminds you that you are a son or a daughter of the living God. So receive that now. Receive that now. Holy Spirit, pour the love of God into our hearts right now. Right now, at the time we're watching this, pour your love into our hearts. Give us that assurance of our salvation. Give us that assurance of our sonship and of our daughtership. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your spirit. We ask you to fill us again, to fill us with your love, with your authority, with your power, to equip us to be overcomers, to equip us with everything we need for this time and to live a godly life, to equip us to love one another in the church, to equip us to reach out to those outside the church who, who don't have that hope that we have to be the light of the world. Equip us for this, we ask. And Jesus, we declare that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So keep building us together like living stones as a dwelling place for your spirit. Knit us ever closer together, even in these challenging times. And Lord, please protect the unity that we have so that we shine like a beacon on a hill in a dark world. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So church, as we, as we enter into this new year, 2021, be confident, be bold, be together. God is at work. God is at work.